New on CuriosityStream, uncover engineering secrets from history's greatest masters. From the mysteries of the first man-made waterways to the building techniques of the early Americas, it's ancient engineering. Plus, 40 tons of trucks speeding down the interstate can be a recipe for disaster. See how today's smarter new age big rigs pave the way for safer highways on high-tech trucks. Watch now on CuriosityStream. Annual plans are $20, just $1.67 a month. Visit CuriosityStream.com. Do you want to start or am I going to start? I think you should start. I think you're far more eloquent. I feel like I'm always starting, and then when I say it, you just kind of chime in. So I guess that's the way we're going to do it. I mean, I Welcome to the Toronto Real Estate Show. Uh, Thank you very much for joining us. We'd like you to like, comment, and subscribe. This is what we need to boost our numbers on the YouTube algorithm. Please hit the bell, and thanks for watching. Thanks. tune in for real estate not uh technology uh, nfts and chicken sandwich stories you keep recording stuff for too early well um last sorry about last week we just got it yeah oh that was actually two weeks ago no No, last sunday last sunday that was my fault no show we let we let the the listeners down i feel i feel like they don't even know oh no they know they were stopping me in the streets where people were I saw some flags in the distance that I thought yeah. said, like, what happened? Toronto real estate show. Queen's Park. Bring, bring them back. They must have been, yep. you know, that new bill on of, uh, that, that everybody's talking about. Yeah. C10 or whatever. 187. 187. C1032 yeah. hut. Yeah. <laughs> they, so, they took us down. No, but they we're didn't. Back. We're, we're going to find alternatives on long weekends. We're going to make it work. We've we've got a remote show scheduled, oh. July long weekend, right? I think Daryl and I will both be in remote locations, remote, far, away far away from the Toronto real estate market. I think it would be a max like two or three hours, just because we don't really want to leave the province, but like but far, like far away. Far away. We'll have like, Wi-Fi. I think I have real estate fatigue. Oh, tell me about it. I feel tired. What is so fatiguing about you researching real estate from the comfort of your office? Nothing. I'm so bored and it's so monotonous. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's enough. And it's like all day I read these articles that are just like, I feel like I'm in the middle of a ping pong match or a tennis match. Yeah. Because it's like, we're going to crash. Everything is horrible. This is crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. We gotta stop this. It's too hot. It's it's too hot. Yeah. And it's back and forth, and it's confusing, and I don't know what's going on anymore. I mean, I feel like YouTube the market's rip roaring away. YouTube is killing me right now. Like oh. my my homepage on YouTube is just like prepare for the end of the world. <laughs> like I, everything. And, and I'm telling I, you, I'm trying to not watch those videos because every once in a while I click on them and then they just keep coming up in my feed. And I'm like, Oh no, I got to And it's so American based a lot of them. And they just have these theories about why this is going to be the worst recession and housing crisis that has ever hit America. And I'm like, no, no. Why, 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 why do I why? press click? But hold on a sec. And I yeah. know why. And it bothers why? me. Because I feel compelled to do the same thing and to make these t- 
titles for our episodes and these thumbnails that, um, you know, make you feel scared and negative, right? Because I've seen that when I, when I put when I put everything's rosy and wonderful, nobody watches. I mean, less nobody the normal, right? Yeah. But if it's like, oh, like there's a picture of a, f a town on fire and it's like. But that's just our thumbnails, though. I'm, I'm talking about the actual videos. So they'll get some guy who's some 60 to 75 year old man who's been in the financial services industry for 40 years. Who's talking about how he witnessed the, the, the 2008 Great Recession and how he remembers what inflation was like in the 70s and how the next crash is going to be way worse than ever. And they go on and on and on. And they actually talk about it. And he's he seems so adamant about it. Right. And, um, it's like, it's, it's compelling, right. It's captivating. You're like, what, what does he know that, that the, and nobody else is telling us. Cause in, in our minds, we feel like there's some conspiracy or there's like the, there's like a, a hidden agenda or there's like people who are in the know and, and that we're just commoners. So we don't really know and understand. And we're just going to have to follow the trends. I think, and it's crazy. And I'm getting people coming to me, Daryl, who are ready to sell, their properties, sell their real estate, sell their principal residence and go into rentals and, and bet on the housing market crashing. I'm getting, I'm getting that. Like that's, that's the, the storyline that I'm getting from different people. It's very weird. Like, and I think we're all just grabbing on to anything to see if we can get an indication of something. Right. So it's like mm -hmm. we'll watch these videos to see if we get some kind of a hint as to what actually might happen next, because let's 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 talk, for example, in the rental market right now, we have inventory up like uh, uh, there's there's more units available, but prices are going up again. Right. Yeah. Which is like crazy, unheard of. I mean, it it. it it bends all laws of supply and demand, right? And pr and pricing. Well, just dem demand has, has, has spiked. I haven't really been following the rental market the last two weeks. I haven't been um, engaged in it as much as, you know, I normally try to be just to keep up with it so I can talk about it. Um, but, um, well, and that's an know, interesting, that's, that's an interesting point because it's also, so, so we're all getting fed stuff that, you know, we're kind of already looking at, right? So, where I, I spend time looking at rental. For me, I felt like rental market was like the big story in the last little while, and you didn't even notice it. Well, right? I know I know that one, because I'm hearing it from colleagues of mine, that if you're trying to get a freehold rental, it's very competitive. Yeah. Oh, my I God. I know that people who are trying to rent, rent out basement apartments all across the city are struggling right now, and nobody wants basement apartments. But the vacancy yeah. rates, the highest it's been in like uh, a generation. Yeah. So how 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 does that make any sense? I mean, listen, I look at a four uh, percent uh, uh, vacancy rate and think, wow, I got pretty good odds of renting my unit, right? Like, if I'm empty four percent of the time, it's not yeah. the end of the world. Or if I'm one of those four percent that's empty, it doesn't seem like it would last too long, right? Mm -hmm. but that's the highest rate ever and prices are going up like this is crazy yeah so hold on so that does that mean what we think about the the traditional like purchase market is also going to invert no there's so many factors like i said there's there's 
so many different rental markets in Toronto. You I got think the free home housing market, yeah, outside but, of the city. Yeah. Yeah. Then you got the, the high rise condos in the in the denser parts of, of town. Then you've got all the basement apartments. Then you've got all the apartment buildings. People don't need to go to apartment buildings. I was talking to a property manager um, within the last few weeks, and she said that everybody's been giving their notice lately. She said they're having no issues with um, renting anymore. This is a big, this is one of the biggest property managers in Toronto. And she said they're not having issues with um, renting anymore, and they don't have to give any um, incentives anymore. But she said it's crazy how the turnover is everybody's moving out. She says every day they're getting multiple people coming and giving them their 60 days notice. Like it's, it's, it's a crazy turnaround right now. So those vacancy rates, cause there'll be transitional runs and stuff like that. That's affecting vacancy rates too. Right. So there's a lot of things here. It's mm. not like there's just a bunch of empty units that no one can rent. The rental market still is strong and it's only Super been getting strong. Tight. And I think, yeah. I think people must see what's ab- about to come down the pipe. I mean, the reality is that the, 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 the pandemic numbers are down. We're looking at opening up the city and the world again. The states looks like everything's back to normal over there. Like immigration's going to start being a factor again soon, right? Next year's school year, people are going to start coming in. Like, didn't we, t- didn't we talk before about people, students are starting to come back looking at rentals? Like, there's going to be nothing. Yeah. It, it, there's going to be if out of that 3.4 or 4 percent, you're saying it's like, uh, you know, people migrating and like in between. And I, I get what you're saying. So so that means it's not really 4 percent. It's even tighter than that. And yeah. all of a sudden, the floodgates are about to open because we're going to see unprecedented immigration in the next few years. So are people going, OK, like I waited long enough. I better get back in this thing because. It looks like it's going to go bananas. The market's just fucking insane. Um, there's people who are going to be renting, right? Who are who are owning right now, who are going to be renting in the next year. Well, and and there's, the, there's financial a- reasons, ca- cashing out on the market, um, you know, plans for retirement, taking money out to help their kids. There's a lot of different reasons that people are going to go from owning, ownership into rentals. Baby boomers, a lot of them, it makes sense. Well, and a lot of people are just like, okay, I give up. Fuck it. Let's go rent something. Like, I can't, I can't keep living uh, here. <laughs> I can't keep living yeah, in my parents' so, basement. This is enough. Sure, that too. But what I'm saying is people who actually own, they're the owners, they're untitled. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get and, it. And they're saying, you know what? Look at where the market is. Like, I remember when this happened in 1989, 90. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to take any chances. I need this money for my retirement. And if I take it out, I've got it. It's in my hand. And I don't need to worry about where it's going to go. And if I rent, my expenses are going to be fixed. Right now I'm paying because they're in, you know, larger homes and stuff like that. They're paying, let's say they have no mortgage. They're still paying $10,000 a year in expenses, right? Maybe more depending on which municipality. And then they say, okay, well, if I can go and get a place that I'm going to spend $25,000 a year on rent, that's it. Those are my expenses. And I know that that extra $15,000 will be easily paid for over the next 20 years for my pension or the money that I'm going to have from investments or the money from my proceeds from the sale of my home. And I can manage that. And that makes them feel comfortable, right? So there will be a lot of people going into rentals. That's just um, evolution of, of, uh, the buying cycle. Well, and I think it was forced forward for a bunch of people because all of a sudden in the last five years, their house literally doubled, right? And it's like, afraid. we yep. better get out of this thing. They're like, afraid. They're like, holy smokes. I can't believe it. This is, this is a it's great like door number to... one or door number two, right? You have 10 grand yeah. in your hands. Do you want to risk it for maybe another what? Right. 
Okay, so let's go to that one first. So when I'm talking to people in this case, because it's like, it's hard to determine what's going to happen, right? But everybody who I get to meet, you know, and they all have different stories, when they say to me, well, I'm going to, I need to sell because I'm retiring. I've already got a place up north. I've already got a condo. Uh, I'm going to move in with a partner, spouse, whatever. Um, I need to sell. When's a good time? Well, yeah, maybe the market does continue to rise, but how much more is it going to rise? So what, you might get another, what, three, five, eight percent more money for your home like that's possible right like are you really expecting it to go up another 20 percent okay but if the market does change between now and the time that you sell and you have to sell for 10 percent less how is that going to affect your retirement plan right so sure you can stay in and you can have more money it's possible but the odds of it going up are not as great as the odds going down because of just how much appreciation we've had and i'm talking about short term here the other part is the risk. How much, if, if you lost a hundred grand from your retirement plan, is that going to make your retirement plans change? Are you now not going to be able to do the things that you want to do compared to if you had an extra $50,000 for retirement, is that really going to impact the, the lifestyle that you're going to live, you know, after you're done? So you have to weigh out all these things, right? So sometimes it's just always about looking at the, the risk. I'm not foolish enough to go around telling everybody just to hang on to their property as long as possible and sell because it, no matter what, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be okay because that could end up impacting people's retirement plans and they're coming to me for advice. Yeah. Just like I wouldn't tell somebody to buy a house and expect to sell it in six months for more money because the market's going up and they're, and they're going to kill it. Like, no, like you, need, you might have to hang on to this thing for five years before you're going to you know, get that profit or money back or whatever. So you got to be really careful. So, but other than the market just being really super hot right now, for for obvious reasons, I think. I mean, they they four billion dollars a week of new money coming into the system. Like we know why everything's appreciating. So, um, like why wouldn't prices be going crazy right now? Like what are we expecting? Why is there a crash? Like why? Where, where's the evidence of a crash other than just it's really crazy right now? And, and on top of it, okay, like a crash would be 30%, right? 20%. What's a crash even considered? But like we gained 30% this year. So what's yeah. the crash going to do? Wipe out people that bought this year? There's not that many of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it'll no, it's, hurt. It's hard, it's, hard to, it's hard to put the storyline together. And that's why, like I said, this – damn youtube feed man it just keeps on giving me all these all these different opinions but um to me a a crash is 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 next to impossible to have something like a 20 20 to 30 percent like interest rates would have to spike up so high that the people who haven't had a five-year fix locked in in the last two years all of a sudden lose their jobs like it just how is it even mathematically how is it possible that all of a sudden people can't afford their homes in five years different story if we see interest rates start to rise then everybody's who's getting mortgages today at record you know amounts um and then they have to qualify for a new rate in five years then yeah they may not be able to and they'll all be forced to sell um but the economy doesn't seem like it's falling apart it seems like it's it's doing better than what um everyone predicted um it's just there's definitely a softening a softening from the peak of the beginning of 2021 like 100% Daryl. i'm seeing for sure examples now of houses that are selling for less money today than they were in march like we have five, we have new homes six new homes seven percent 
$48,000 new homes went down like month over month because of yeah. a bunch of supply, which, well, w I mean, we can talk about that now, but I, I think we should, I think we should go into the, the mortgage stress test rules because we're Let's talking about after. affordability we'll and after. interest rates. You want to come back to that after? Come back to that after. Let's just talk about this. Stay on topic is, is actually what we're seeing. So I want you to talk about the new homes one after, but just to give you an example, um, you know, in certain pocket pockets of uh, Scarborough, in certain pockets of um, Durham region, um, in certain pockets of Markham, I've seen actual price decreases where people were selling for more money in March, 50, 60, 70, $80,000, stuff like that. And now those prices have not been obtained. So there's a bunch of people sitting on the market trying to get those prices still, but they're not going. And then somebody who's actually realistic and who says, okay, the market's changed. I have to be able to accept whatever the, the market will bear is actually taking less money. And that's, um, I've, I've now less seen money those examples. Than what? Less money than, than what, what they were the asking? neighbor of an identical home or sometimes an inferior home sold for in March. Hmm, because there's more options. I guess so. I mean, there's less offers, there's less pressure, there's less fear of missing out. There's, there's all there the things like uh, next tomorrow or in two days, these new mortgage rules come into effect and you got to qualify. How come that didn't like spur a ton of buying? This week it did. I had 93 showings on a property and sold 213,000 over asking. So for what's the rule? You a have a place to, that needs a lot of work. But you have to Scarborough. close before June 1st or like if you bought something prior to June 1st, the rules apply. So I've, I've heard a couple of different opinions and it seems like it's going to be lender dependent. So what the <laughs> like OSFI announced, what, what the government announced was pre-approval, right? You just, oh, just get your pre-approval done before June 1st and then you'll be able to still be grandfathered. But several lenders have said, no, your pre-approval doesn't mean anything. I want, I want it to be an approval, which means you have to have your agreement to purchase and sale before June 1st. Hmm. So honestly, I, I, I haven't got a clear answer on that yet. I've, I've heard from different mortgage brokers, different things. And everyone's saying, don't expect to get, I think that's what they're doing. They're saying, don't expect to get right. the old stress tests qualifying rate. If you sign your agreement after June 1st, because yeah. the bank may not honor it. And Why you have the hell to, would they? well, I guess if they can get away with it, the bank is going to do it. Or, or, I mean, you find a lender who will, but you have to have a pre-approval with them. Like it's, it's one of those things that another example of, government uh, intervention so, so is it is it, because, is it because it happened so quickly that we didn't see like a huge run-up for a while like i would have thought that the last few weeks you'd see they know. never announced it daryl people aren't watching our show right they're waiting to get all the real estate news from global and cp24 they announced it literally on may 24th well that's what i'm saying like everybody yeah. had a week to go oh shit we better buy or we just Th this week we, we saw I got 93 showings again on a listing that i wasn't expecting to get that many showings Right. Right. So things started to really pick up again. All of a sudden it's like, oh, wow, this is reminiscent of the early 2021 market. So, OK, so hold on. So I, I pushed on to the stress test again. Sorry. Yeah, it's OK. We're going down that road now. Well, I mean, it doesn't well, seem let's, like. Let's talk about it, what it is. Yeah. You talk about it because I don't really know yeah. what it is. What are we? We're qualifying so for a half test, a point the, higher now. Technically, the stress test only impacts people who are. Um, the new stress test changes, it, it only affects people who are um, conventional mortgages, right? So they got 20% down or more, but then they had the government implement the same rules for people who are um, insured mortgages. So it affects everybody. It's just two different 
governments deciding on who does what. It, it doesn't really make sense to me why they have to do that, but I guess with CMHC involved in insured mortgages or government policy, um, like the federal government having to be involved in insured mortgages, it had to come down from them. But anyways, so there was a 4.79 qualifying rate. Now it's 5.25. So that extra 45 basis points is between four and 5% of a buyer's buying power. Okay, so you've lost that much buying power after June 1st. So pretty significant change for a small percentage of the population. Yeah, I mean, that it's going to make a big difference. It's hard enough to find a decent house in the price point you can afford, and now it just got further out of reach. So now you have to drive... It's just a quality... Honestly, it's a small percentage. It's just a qualifying rate. Okay, so people aren't paying more. Yeah, but I don't know if you remember when you first bought your your first house. Like, it's not the same as the second or the third. Like, when you take that first mortgage, it's scary. Fifty bucks a month, whatever, a hundred bucks a month. Like, it makes a difference at that first buyer's perspective in the market. I remember when I got my first mortgage, I was like. Oh my God, it was like 150 grand or something or like 180 grand. And I was like shitting bricks, man. I was so afraid to take that mortgage on 3.85%. Mm -hmm. It was like nothing. Yeah. So, but when you, now all of a sudden you just lost 5%. So let's just say for argument's sake, like you were looking at a house between 900 and 1.1 million, which is like average, right? 800 to a million, whatever. Everybody mm -hmm. else is looking for the exact same thing right now. And now all of a sudden, if you were looking at 800, you got to look at 750, right? 760. Yep. 760. Yep. But that, that's a different, that's that's a different bracket yeah. now, right? That's a different like house because you could barely find anything for eight something that you were well, getting. According to what I'm time. seeing is those $800,000 mortgages only need to be 760 now because the market softened a slight bit. It's still a crazy seller's market. That's momentary. Still, That's very momentary. It's, it's still it's still a crazy seller's market. But what I'm what I'm forecasting is that we're going to have a lot more inventory come on the market once the um, uh, lockdown lifts. A lot more inventory, right? but you don't think that yeah. that inventory will be offset by more demand? Um, not as much. I think all Look the buyers the are out there. I think all the buyers that are out there right now are out there. I don't think there's one buyer sitting at home going, oh, I wish I could buy real estate, but Doug Ford says don't go outside, so I'm not going to do it. I don't think there's one buyer out there who's doing that. But there's sellers who are saying, look, we want to sell our home, but this lockdown, it's scary. I don't know. I don't want my neighbors to think that I'm breaking the rules. It doesn't make sense. We'll sell once the government opens things back up again. I think there's more sellers than buyers waiting because of the lockdown. Also, I had a, so I had a guy I was dealing with for – two and a half years go power a sale this week wow. right so he had called me in i knew he was in trouble i kept referring him to lenders and trying to help him and we had listed the property twice but he always pulled the plug before we went on the market so we'd sign the paperwork and then whatever and he called me up he says look you know i appreciate everything but i just want to let you know that you know this was not my decision to sell and that you know i, I knew what was going on so um, he said, that's why we're not using you. And I said, yeah, it's, you know, I hope, I hope it works out for you and, and you get it sold and, and move on. But he was, he was deep underwater, right? Like that just happened this week. I got people who I'm, I'm talking to who are, you know, financially strapped, who don't want to be paying a mortgage anymore, who don't want to have any more um, 
overhead and they're looking at, you know, their lifestyle and everything else like that, because they're getting older and they're trying to figure out a way out of this. And they remember 1989 and they want to, they want to get out and they want to take their money and they want to find a, a place to put it. But right? don't, and don't they trust. You, don't you think there's a lot of people in other countries that are just waiting for borders to open to get the hell out of wherever they have been and could have made a lot of money in the last year last few years and just been waiting to get out and like when the floodgates open they're gonna be buying up anything that they can find because they want to live here um i think they're less than what we think i think that um there's less people than have actually um there's less people that we actually think are coming in. So here's the Canada government website. The, uh, the target, right, is 401,000, right? For what year? 2021? For 2021. But the low range is only 300,000. And next year, the low range is, uh, target's 411, but the low range is 320. Yeah. That, yeah. That's so many people. So that's, <laughs> but we were getting those numbers before, and it's not like, we haven't been able to sustain it, right? We've had, we've had the 300, 350,000 people come here yep. and it wasn't creating a massive housing shortage. No, but how many? And there's also a ton of people leaving the GTA too now, more than ever. I don't know if it's more than ever. I just think they're not being replaced by new people coming in at the moment. How many people came in last year? Actually came in? How well, short the number in 2020? Yeah, how short were we on projection? And how different is it than what they're projecting? Because I got to think it's going to feel a hell of a lot different. 184,000. 184,000. So yeah, somewhere between... Yeah, lowest level since 1998. So like 60-something percent of anticipated? Yeah, I don't know what their plan was. It was north of 300,000, obviously. Okay, so this is what it looks like when immigration is at like... 60% capacity. So what the hell does this market feel like when we're at 100% immigration capacity? Seriously. It's going to be fucking bananas. Don't, those people, they haven't purchased already. They haven't rented already. They have to live somewhere. And I'm pretty sure, last time I checked, at least half of the news outlets were in a crisis. Yeah, I, Look, I just we don't prove think it right here with the new homes going. Okay, so they're saying that new home sales on average went down $48,000 because of new supply that came on. First yeah. of all, is that fucking true? Because that doesn't sound so right to me at all. There was just some booming house prices that were sold, what they're comparing to, right? They were selling some, all the luxury properties yeah, like came everything out in, in Oakville came February out. and yeah. March. Yeah. yeah, they were like, all right, guys, we got these $3 million houses here. Just put them up for sale. I don't even care if you can build them. Yeah. Just, just put them up. Let's go, because people are buying them. They were selling out all those sites. But, I mean, the purpose of the article, I think, was to show that, look, it, more supply does affect the market. Which, is there anybody out there that doesn't think adding more supply is going to fix the problem? Are you one of those people? TK. No, I think, the, I think supply is a major issue. I just don't think it's the only issue. No, but it's a, I think it's fairly easily fixable. I mean, there's so many yeah. people that want to create more I supply. Think, I think interest rates are too low. Interest rates are definitely too low, but it seems <laughs> to me that they are still not planning on doing anything about that. No. 
No, they're going to fuck around with the Osfi baloney, which will make a little difference. Look, they're cool. The market's cooled. Whether it had something to do with them or not them or who. Yeah, it, just, it, was just a stu- it was just a stupid market. That, that stuff doesn't really, you know, get everybody excited. I have had so, like, the amount of people that I know who have talked to me about selling and buying, gone out and looked at houses, realized that it's just insane out there and quit is more than ever, more than I've ever had before. Like, they're just, they just can't deal with it. It's emotionally taxing. They're just like, man, this is, this is not, you have to be really motivated to be able to move in this market because it's competitive and it's difficult and you don't get anything close to what you're hoping to get. That's why I think a lot of the buyers have dried up for a little bit too, because I think the whole fuck, if I'm tired of real estate, like imagine these poor people that don't give a fuck about real estate. You're like the energizer bunny. Well, I don't know if I'm like the energizer bunny, but I'm really fucking into real estate, right? <laughs> and I'm like sick of this shit. I, I this yeah, morning I was like, "What the <laughs> fuck are we gonna talk about now? Like, that, what haven't we talked about the death already?" <laughs> but yeah, you threw me a curveball. <laughs> yeah, Popeyes, right? Popeyes, and look, now I feel better. Just thinking about Popeyes chicken just pulled me right out. I think it's talking to me. I think that's what you like. You missed me. I think I need to talk. We tried to have a quick conversation, but we're like, nah, let's save it. Let's not, let's not try to talk to each other during the week unless it's super business oriented. Otherwise, we got to save the, maybe that's it. Maybe Maybe I just miss you. Maybe I'm going to have to start calling you. It's okay. It's common. I've I've seen this before. So um, we got crazy condo sales going on. Like new new condo sales are set a twenty year record for new condo sales in the GTA. Tell me, I don't know. It's crazy. Thirty six hundred units sold condos, highest April on record. Uh, it, it's just bananas. I, I guess I, there was I a ask lot you a of question? launches. Can I ask though. you a development question? Yeah, I had a client call me about a site that you and I both know very well. We'll just say that it's the Lurch condos. Ah, Lurch, uh, yeah. They said um, they were going to go buy, but they're like, they don't have their zoning. They're telling people that they're going to be done by a certain time. They don't have their zoning? Yeah. He's like, how are they they selling these units without their zoning? And they've got a demolition permit only, but no. Oh, so they probably have their zoning. They don't have their site plan approval. Which is fine. That's what most people do. Although th- I know that, but zoning? How common would it be to see someone not have their zoning yet? By th- by this point in time, like I know that site pretty well, and I know that developer yeah. really well. Like personally, yeah. I would yeah. I like these guys are pretty pro. I would be pretty shocked if they were doing anything weird, and yeah. especially to do it early in this kind of a market, like yeah. it doesn't make sense as prices are escalating with costs and and. Like it, it makes no sense to go earlier than to have delay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. to have delays. And especially gonna... if you don't know what you're gonna get, seems pretty foolish. They didn't apply for anything crazy on that site. Like I haven't heard yeah. of any issues. I think that's a load of malarkey. It possibly is. The source is highly, um, you know, questionable. Not questionable, but you know, it, you know, emotionally charged, right? Because he's trying to buy a unit, so of course he's. He's got motion. It in his seems heart. to me that that would be a pretty good purchase, actually, because it's 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 fairly decent sized units. It's on a ravine. It's it's in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Although there's I no that, transit anywhere near there. 
Yeah, I think the sign the sign is like everything's being sold to condo developers in that area. No, so it's like everything is only like prices are only not to say that the you know the market's in charge obviously, but when it comes to an area that is being developed and everyone's going to have the same building costs and land costs and all that kind of stuff, they have no choice but to sell it for more money. And they're going to do whatever they need to do to get a higher price per square foot. So if you're buying it today, over the next five years, that price per square foot has to go up. Like the developers just have no choice but to ask more money for it. I, I was speaking to a developer, yes, two days ago. And he said to me, like, you can't make any money unless you sell for $1,000 a square foot right now. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, location. Of course, location, but still, I mean, I mean, people are having a tough time in Kitchener making money because the cost of construction is so high. Okay, I Peterborough, get it. Okay, so not location. Right? So, yeah. well, I mean, location, like if it's downtown, you can't be at a thousand dollars, obviously, because you'd lose your yeah. shirt. But like for low, low end land, right? Or like, I mean, on a big project. Twenty dollars to forty dollars a square foot for land uh, doesn't make that big of a difference on the grand scheme of things when you're building a two hundred million dollar project, right? Mm-hmm. But but you can't make any money, so it's like you need to be able to find places where you can get that thousand bucks a foot. But people are coming out at like eight fifty, nine fifty in. Newmarket and in Stouffville and like mm-hmm. Brant, like all over the place. Like I don't even know where prices are less than eight fifty right now. Yeah, it's and, not and, just about. But they're materials. not making money though at eight fifty. Like unless you had all of your contracts signed and those guys are honoring them and not going out of business, then maybe you can squeak out some money. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, listen, for most people, it's a ton of money, but the, the, your profit percentage goes down to a point where it may not have been worth doing after eight years. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's pretty crazy. But like condo prices are just going to keep going up, up, up and up. They have to. And now we're talking about inclusionary zoning. There's this whole bill that they're talking about putting through, which basically is forcing the developers to add, you know, somewhere between 10 to 30% of their units as affordable, right? In certain zones. Um, yeah, like in transit zones where yeah. everybody wants to develop and everybody wants to live, right? Yeah, the only places right now can The only can places that anybody gives a shit, right? Yeah. So, so, but now all of a sudden, so what happens? If, if you lose, I don't know, how much... 10%, 20% of your profits on 20% of your units, or it's 25%, I think. So you lose 25% of revenue on 10 to 15 to 20, 30% of your units. And what happens to the price of the rest of the units to the end user? The developer is mm-hmm. not sitting there going, okay, fine, I'll suck it up. No, that's how we yeah. have prices that are so friggin' high, right? Yeah. And they're not going down. They're never going down. I tried to get some things from Home Depot this weekend and Lowe's and like things are like sold out. Like there's just no anything. Try buying a part for a computer. Try buying a graphics card or like, yeah, it's crazy. It's just like, 
everything is crazy and it's not just price it's not like they're sitting in the shelves and it's like oh i just got to pay a little bit more it's like they don't even have it no but this might be a thing that slows the market also is the fact that like you're gonna pay a lot more for shit you actually need yeah right people are gonna have to put aside more money for the stuff they need which means there's less money for either the stuff they don't need or other stuff they need if they can't let go of that other garbage right yeah. That that could actually have a significant impact because, I mean, they're saying 4% inflation, but I think we all know, at least on stuff we use, it's like way higher than that. And if that that's probably going to be the same thing again this year, right? Because the, the whole supply yeah. chain on everything is a disaster. My, I remember we wrote off 2020, I think around this time, I think around like um, June. We were like, all right, 2020, it's it's a wash. That's it. 2020, nothing's gonna happen this year. And now, now 2021, same thing. It's like, all right, 2021, June, that's it. Let's call it a year. 2022, we'll pick it back up. We'll find some new cool things to do, and we'll try to go back to the way we were before. But I think it's just the you know, the environment that we're in, and we're gonna have to really come up with new ways to be able to deal with all the stuff that we have to deal with. And, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of, a lot of changes, like supply chain changes. What I, what I read in, um, uh, Forbes had an article about the stay at home, the work from home stuff. That was a good one. Everything that we've been talking about, like the stay at home work is just not, it's not sustainable. It's not, it's not going to be what everyone thinks it's going to be. Okay. There's going to be long lasting effects. You know, guys are going to be working from home. They're going to feel like they're not a part of, they're going to be living in like remote locations like the Bahamas or some cheap place in, you know, Winnipeg or whatever. And the guys who have to live in, let's say, Toronto, where the office is, have to pay sky high prices for their, you know, properties. And it's going to be freezing in the winter and all that kind of stuff. So they're not going to really appreciate that kind of stuff, right? When the, when the bosses and everything like that are coming into the office, the people who are constantly near them are the ones that are always going to be getting the attention and you know, the raises and all that kind of stuff. Like there's, and the, and the, and the bottom will just keep getting lower for those remote workers, right? They'll just keep trying to find people in less and less locations to, to drop the value, right? So sooner or later, it'll be outsourced to, you know, Mexico or whatever, because those people will be able to do the same job. Like it's, it's a hundred percent not sustainable. And they, and there's a whole article about all the different inter-office policies and, um, you know, connections and, and human to human sort of, um, protections for the company, right? Like the company needs to have certain reassurances that their employees are doing what they need to do. Then there's all the privacy stuff. Cause now companies, I think it's like 80% of the companies with work to uh, work from home have got monitoring software on their, on their employees' computers. So they get to see like your web browser history and all sorts of stuff. They want to know what are you doing? Wow. Right. So imagine your, your, your invasion of privacy, you know, for your company, how long is that going to last? Yeah. And what people are doing is they're at home, they're working on company time, looking for a new job on the computer <laughs> for sure like, okay if i'm gonna be home i might as well be looking for something better and maybe one day something will come up and i'm, I'm out of here like so so sustainable I, th- I think work from home is gonna look the if, if it were to be graphed it would look the same as the recovery it would be a k-shape and i think that there's companies that are gonna go towards more work from home and there's companies that will go towards less and there'll be a group in the middle that goes towards a hybrid because there's some companies that are working very well like this and there's some companies that just can't function like this there's there's a lot of companies that already kind of were functioning like this on a on a global level where they had you know multiple offices in multiple cities and people were working 
I guess online they had management together. and all that kind of stuff. I, you but know, it's I just, gonna go I just all different ways. I think you you gave the politically correct answer, Daryl. Let's just let's that just... doesn't seem right. You did. When you just you took that? the easy road of saying a- anything can happen. And no, ooh, it's not know. anything that can but happen. I see I'm it all be hard happening. on this. Work from home is not going to work. That's it. it it's works. going down. It's not going to happen. It's not going to fly. It's not going to stay. All right. Only only the entrepreneurs can do it because they're they're self motivated. People are not motivated enough to stay home. Right. It's hard to um, get that. And that. do them to do the work they need to do for an employer. But I think. Work. I, but I think you're gonna see more self-employed entrepreneurial people working with more self-employed entrepreneurial people in smaller businesses that's gonna grow like crazy that's gonna grow right for sure so the corporate stuff yeah for sure i mean it's, it's for other reasons not even so much that it doesn't work right but i mean we've all been employees i mean when there's an office it's hard enough to fucking get any work done because you know you gotta you gotta take a crap for three hours and you need a smoke break and you need to go talk to take up smoking just to work in a, just in an office just to be able to get out of the, they're getting smoke breaks and i'm sitting here working take up smoking all day. here i'm not even gonna smoke i'm just gonna light it fucking hey i want the same breaks as those assholes yeah right i'm gonna go to, yeah. out there with my fake e-cigarette and take a yeah. break no, but th- I mean, the reality is, is that people are not that productive in an office. I can only imagine the hijinks that people were up to when they were supposed to be working. But I mean, mm-hmm. I think for me as a as an entrepreneur and pe- someone who's employed many people, like I've always been OK with just get your work done. I don't care how often or when you work, just get it done, and get it done when it's supposed to get done. I don't know how many people are like that, but I, I can imagine a world where that's a little more prevalent too. Sure. But I think that the the size of your enterprise is also pretty. Well, vital, that's right? the thing. Yeah. Google and Yahoo. Um, was it Google and Yahoo? I think it was Google and Yahoo, but Yahoo and someone else tried work from home models. Like they really put in an effort and were like, no, this doesn't work. You know, they were forced to try it now, obviously. So there was, you know, different motivations, but like it's been put to the test before. And right now it's just, it's acceptable. And, you know, we don't really have all the figures and, you know, the businesses are doing really well. There's a lot of businesses doing well right now. So they don't have the motivation to, um, you know, start looking at what everybody's doing and to really break it down. Wait till the economy does change, which it always does. Eventually things will slow down. And then people are going to go like, hold on a second. PK is working at home eight hours a day. He says he's doing this much productivity yet Juan down in Mexico, he's doing three times the productivity. <laughs> And we're paying him in pesos. Why is it that TK and Juan are producing different levels of work when they're assigned the exact same amount of stuff, right? And the company's going to go, well, well let's, we need more Juans and less TKs. That's right. Hence- right. And TK is going to say, no, 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 no. I'll come back to work. I'll come back to work so we can go over coffee at lunch, Jim. And then you and I will be buddies and you won't want to let me go anymore. Now I'm, I'm no longer working from home. Problem solved. When was the last time you called a major corporation and spoke to somebody that you were positive was not in another country? I can't remember. And usually this it's is American, not, though. This is not current. No, it's not yeah. usually American. It's usually oh, sometimes I can hear Indian. the American voices. A lot of Indian. A lot of Indian. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of. Uh, South American. Mm-hmm. And that's not new. 
Okay. Right. There's been lots of, whether it's working from home or working in another country, there's a big shakeup going to happen because Juan, wands are all over the place, right? Mm -hmm. Wands are all over the place and easily accessible. And yes, you can't, uh, I mean, I guess you can bring Juan in to do some construction. We're not, we're not, I, I'm not trying to be racist or, or, or derogatory in any way, but like you can bring in workers. I mean, that's what the whole economy is based on has always been bringing in but, but, the cheap but let's labor. Talk about, let's talk about jobs then. So you're saying, well, how is this market going to tank? Well, over the next few years, as people get lazy and they say, oh, no, I'm going to work from home because I don't have to pay for daycare and I don't have to, you know, get car insurance. And, you know, I can I can I can live further away so that I can go to the beach, you know, I'm on the weekends. And it's going to be super close. Yeah, right. Okay, well, that's what they sound like. Very soft and timid. Yes. Yeah, soft and soft and timid. And so when when that market does come back right and and the chickens come home to roost Ooh. and that people understand that they need to actually be in the office because they need to be developing relationship with management and all that kind of stuff how many job losses will go from canadian soil into other markets and elsewhere in the world because we, we 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 look at net jobs every year like that's a big factor and like where's our job losses where's our job gains and what industries are they in are we creating enough jobs in canada right now to be able to um uh, absorb the amount of job losses we're going to have because of companies going work from home. I think I think what we're creating are very um, technical jobs. Like they're not going to be jobs for just anybody. Like um, people that have been working as a Uber driver or as a grocery gateway uh, shopper or you know. The, the, the easier entry jobs, it's going to be hard for them to transition into coding uh, and editing and legal and like all the service stuff that's actually going to be capable to do from wherever the hell, right? Okay, but if, but if you're in school right now and you are doing those things and that the job market shrinks because now the available positions are less and the job rate goes down because... The employers are looking at it. Well, I can get you to code who just came out of the school with a certain certification, uh, uh, you know, and, and I can see you in front of me every single day, you know, through the glass in your office or I hire Juan, right? Sorry to pick on Juan today, who's Juan's working for two, thir two thirds of your pay, right? And does honestly a twice as, twice as good a job because he's really, really happy and thankful that he has this job, right? So, you know, as a, as a, a young person going to school, most people, what they do is they look at they look at the job market and they say, "Well, where am I going to be after I graduate? What's what's what are my prospects?" And it's going to, to me, be less intriguing, right? With more people working um, overseas and stuff like that too. And I think that that has to that has to change, and that there's going to be a major shift over the next couple of years back into the office. And I'm calling it now. I just want to make sure it's being recorded I, and that people I, know it was me who said it. Well, and I would like to add that I believe. First that um, if you don't learn a, a skill or you don't learn a trade that is mobile and internet friendly, then you are doing yourself a huge disservice for your future potential opportunities for your career. Because even if you're in Canada, I mean, you can work somewhere else. They pay programmers way more in the states than they do in canada and the talent is 
fairly s uh, uh, similar, right? So what 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 you see happening is like high uh, high level tech people are moving from you know other countries to Canada where it's better than where they were, and they're getting like their experience, and then they're starting to work for companies that pay even more to people in the states or wherever. It's like a barrier to entry for a higher paying gig, but there's going to be more companies that are fine with people working from home, right? Tons of them. A and so if you, if you can, like let's say, for example, you're a driver right now. You just became a driver for Amazon, and you think it's like this is a golden opportunity here. I just I rented this truck. I'm driving for Amazon. I can't keep up. I got money coming in every day, all day. In like four years, that guy's going to need a new, a, a new job because it'll be an autonomous truck driving all those packages around. So there's a truck that's going to drive around my neighborhood, <laughs> get out of the truck. A robot's going to bring the package to my door, ring the, the doorbell, and then run away. Yeah. Is that a question or is that, are yeah, you adding that on to my happen? statement? That's happening. How many places is that going to be happening in four years? In four years? Yeah. 19. <laughs> um, I get it. I get what you're saying. What, what's happening right now? What is, the, what is the Amazon delivery, the autonomous delivery Amazon people doing right now? How, do, how does that work? There's multiple. There's like these little robots that drive down the sidewalk with your parcel, come up to like yeah. your, your, your porch and you, you grab it. Your, your, pa your package is now arriving and you go outside and you take it out of the little robot and you, you pet him and he, he goes back on his merry way. Or yeah. there are drones that are flying packages to people right now. I know there is, but there's going to be all these drones zipping around, uh, you know, Etobicoke trying to trying to drop off packages every day. TK. It's, it's limited. TK. It's limited. Yeah. Well, this is the Toronto Real condos? Estate Show. Yeah. Con what about condos? You're going to have drones cleaning windows on condos soon. That makes sense. Oh, it does, does it? But the package thing doesn't? The package thing, I think it's like... You're very selective in what you incorporate into your reality. Yeah. I'm, I'm old school. You're... I, just, I've, I have a hard time changing. <laughs> Jesus, man. You're right, though. I think that's like I think my the grandfather, robots... like looking around going, what the hell happened? I think the robots will be delivering all the packages. I think that's a pretty simple task to give to the robots. If we think that they can start building condos for us, they, they can deliver some packages. Well, so, but what about just like freight trucks driving on the highways? Those are, yeah, those that are makes gone sense even sooner. That's yeah. one of the biggest industries on the planet. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Well, those... Electric, autonomous truck driving it's coming baby it's coming on multiple levels that makes sense. Yeah. multiple levels and so soon like all these people have people will have jobs there'll be jobs created you're just gonna have to like it won't be labor it won't be easy it's gonna you're gonna have to like learn how to code or you're gonna have to learn how to sell something yeah or bullshit your way yeah well I, yeah no there's autonomous there's robots in yeah. there too. oh my god laysod you got a laysod there's even robots that will laser zap your weeds out of your lawn. Oh now. my god! Yeah, you have no idea what's going on. I'm a, I'm, I need to catch up on the you're gonna robotics order, club here. You're gonna go to a robot and say uh, double double, please. Yeah. Through the drive-through, a robotic arm will just. Thank you, Mr. TK. <laughs> <laughs> this is Juan, remote working from Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Juan is taking over. Juan is going to be the most you important said we guy needed more around. Here you go. Right? More Juan is for everyone. Yeah. Okay, let's talk Juan about is going to take over. Real estate again. Foreign investors are scooping up new condos. Nah. Oh, did you see this? Did you see the billboard that the. Uh, I don't see anything. Can't afford said, a home? No, I'm not putting it up. It's too hard. I, this has okay. to be easier. This is this okay. has become a, a career. This thing here. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry. Can't afford a home? Question mark. Yeah. Have the red you, the red billboard. Have you tried finding richer parents? Yeah, I saw that one. And they made a website, CanadaHousingCrisis.com. Yeah. But then Seriously. you also see an article that says like 64% of all millennials like wish they didn't buy the house that they bought. That's a stupid article. That makes no sense. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Are you a millennial? You're a millennial. I think I'm a millennial. I think what they're talking about is the millennials just wanted more space and they couldn't afford it. So that's why they were like, yeah, I wanted to get a 2,000 yeah. square foot condo I thought on this 425 but... square foot condo was a good idea. I mean, it looked good yeah. on the piece of paper. Yeah. So though I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, think too hard about that. Maybe it's more than 64%. What else is there? Oh, this is a good one. Did you send me this? Remax sues competitor EXP Realty <laughs> <laughs> over efforts to lure away franchisees. Let's try to talk about this in the most um, non-biased uh, way possible. Because okay? full disclosure, I'm a member of the Remax family. Well, right? I'm not. Okay. So I, I almost um, was. Any new story. brokerage, and again, let's not pick on EXP. Any new brokerage, the model that a brokerage has is to recruit agents. They want to get more agents because it means more money for them. The more agents, the more signs they're going to have, the more brand recognition they're going to have, the more agents are going to want to join. Brokerages, their clients are agents, just like how buyers and sellers are clients for agents. Brokerages are going out there to solicit business from agents. So they do all the things they can to show their value, to be able to hire them, to try to get them because the more agents they have, they get to collect fees and commission splits and all that sure. kind of stuff. And that's their business model. Right. Yeah. And so anytime a brokerage is trying to get more um, agents, there isn't a, um, like, in, like, in a, like if I, I can't go around to other people with uh, a listing contract or a buyer representation agreement and try to solicit business from those buyers and sellers when they're under contract. But in the brokerage world, that's really not looked at. Even though if you have a contract, I mean, you have a contract. I don't know what your contract says, but technically you're probably not supposed to be going around um, being solicited by brokerages. And brokerages are always calling me and always calling other agents trying to get more people. What high-level franchise um, companies can do is they can solicit entire brokerages. So they can go to Remax ABC and say, hey, you got a thousand agents, why don't you change your brand to this? And this is now, you know, going to be your brand and this is how you're going to benefit and blah, 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 blah. So that becomes like, you know, instead of talking to a thousand agents, you just have to talk to one owner of a brokerage with a thousand agents under him. Sure. So the issue with this um, company that has been going around stealing Remax franchises and telling them that, you know, they're better and bigger and whatever is these people have contracts. And of course, Remax and Denver, Colorado is saying, whoa, 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 you, you know, you signed a contract with us, a franchise agreement. You can't just go and slap, you know, Johnny's burgers on your McDonald's because you felt like the brand 
<laughs> the brand wasn't good for you anymore. You're in a franchise agreement, right? So, so it makes not, no sense. It's not EXP that can get in trouble. It's the Remax brokerages. The, well, well, I mean, EXP is not I under guess, contract. I, I guess they're suing. They're suing the franchisees by saying, "Hey, you broke your contract." But they're also saying, "Like, how can we try to stop EXP from doing this?" And so that they're suing them as well to figure out a way to. Um, maybe try to get them to stop poaching, but you're right. Maybe they're allowed to poach them. Maybe that's totally 100% legit and there's nothing wrong with it. I don't know. They're allowed to but, approach them. What they do after is entirely up to them, right? The problem is within Remax. If people are actually leaving Remax for this MLM, there's bigger problems within Remax. True. Right? I agree. So yep. Remax needs... Remax yeah, McDonald's is isn't our, serving... Yeah, if McDonald's isn't serving you any business, if you're if that those golden arches are not bringing in customers for you, and you figure to take down the golden arches and put big red bricks and call it TK's Burgers is going to be a better business model. Yeah, it's not the attractiveness of the bricks; it's the ineffectiveness of the arches. And, and you McDon- need to figure out what McDonald's doesn't sue Johnny Burgers; they sue the franchisee. But if it happens over and over again, I'm sure they would. <laughs> they would, but they would probably yeah. not win. They would just sue them to try and freak I, them I out. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. What, like, I'm not a lawyer. Right? So I don't know what you're allowed to do or not to do. I mean, are you allowed to go around telling people, don't worry, break your contract, everything's going to be fine? Or I, is there I, eventually a line? You don't know this about me, okay. but I, I am you a lawyer. A legal degree. That's right. <laughs> you picked that up. You picked that up along with many other. It's it's behind me on the wall. <laughs> just you can't see my real wall. So the damn virtual background. It's yeah. the virtual background. That's the problem. But I, I may not have a legal degree, but I've Let's certainly been around the law plenty on okay. multiple levels, okay. mainly contracts, though, for those yep. of you that are thinking otherwise. But he was a hippie is as far as. I've done many things in my day. Uh, as far as contracts are concerned, though, um, well, one, I mean, they're they're just paper, unless what? Somebody has to enforce it, right? Okay. So, if okay, let's just run through this. So, okay, you have a contract with Remax, right? You're going to work for Remax. You're going to be a broker brokerage for the next three years. And we have a deal. Okay. It, th- this is our deal. This is when it starts. This is when it ends. We both signed it. We're both happy. EXP mm-hmm. comes in and says, hey, TK, you're going to make so much more money like this. And we're going to do this. And we're going to have these big rallies. And Tony Robbins is going to be there. And you're going to love it. <laughs> right? We're going to fly to Mexico we're gonna fly three to times Mexico, a year. And, and it's going to be have a great, time. great. And somehow we're going to spend all this money. And we're all going to make more money. And it's going to be great. And trust me, this is legit. And you go, yeah. you know what? I know I shouldn't even be talking to you. You're I, here. I, I know I shouldn't be talking to you because I'm yeah. under contract with Remax right now. But you know what? I don't give a fuck. Fuck Remax. They've been fucking me for years. <laughs> fuck those guys in the, right? And, yeah. and, and so what happens? Who, who, who does Remax have? Remax does not have a contract with EXP saying, hey, you know, we've agreed that we're not going to poach people from each other, right? Mm-hmm. So, so the only legal recourse that you can sue anybody, TK, I'll fucking sue you this afternoon, okay, for looking at me funny. And I can yeah. do it. And you'll have to defend yourself that you didn't look at me funny. I didn't. But I looked maybe, at you just normal. I don't know. I don't feel so good anymore. It's just like a normal look. It was right? just like, uh, what's going on over there? Look. I'm sick of this shit, man. Yeah. 
and I could sue you and it doesn't mean anything, the fact that I can yeah. sue you, right? So Remax can go throw their weight around and do whatever the hell they want, but you know what they're doing? They're just like pointing out that they have internal issues to everybody, that people are even considering this stupid MLM over like one of the biggest companies the, on the biggest real estate. It's one company of the top the 10 recognized brands right. in the world. Like so how with Coca-Cola and McDonald's. Right. And so how can it not be a super fat cat that has all kinds of extra uh, redundancies within it that are just ridiculous and pissing off brokers left, right and center? Mm -hmm. How can there not be teams of people going, you know what? I'm so fucking sick of Remax. I wish, I wish there was a better option. And then okay. here comes EXP with their delusional sales pitch and probably similar to uh, like Exit Realty and uh, some other ones that have like boomed onto the scene and made a big splash and then kind of... I don't know what was the last found time. Found their place in the market. I mean, I guess they found their place in the market. They're going to find find their place in the market. Yeah, they found it, which is okay. I mean, at the end of the day, like none of this stuff really affects me. I would go steal Remax agents. Like it's fucking smart, <laughs> right? I think it's brilliant, and yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why, go and they right. figured it out. They're like, why are we pitching individual agents? Let's start pitching the brokers. Yeah. Let's get them to switch their whole offices over. Right. It's... I've seen it happen a few times here in Toronto. A few times. And what I usually see is the brokerage sell and then they become the new brand because they've sold to somebody else, right? That's usually what happens. Well, and but, I um, guess a lot of times guys within brokerages get super big and decide that maybe they should take another little slice of the pie and become the brokerage. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Like at some point, most, Remax most, Mostly doesn't... what I've seen though is guys start their own. So they get, you know, they get big and then they go and they start their own brokerage. Well, I'll tell you, like, I know Frank Leo for years from marketing. I'm pretty mm -hmm. sure I met him personally at some point in, in, my, in my life. But I definitely like feel like I know of him. And I yeah. swear to God, I have no idea. Other than the fact that you and I are friends, I have no idea that he's with Remax. Like His branding has superseded the Remax branding. Now, what benefits Remax brings to him, I have no idea. But if I was out in the marketplace... I would flock to Frank Leo and have no concern whether he's with Remax, EXP, or Exit Realty. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right. Well, like, um, there's nothing Remax about his branding. It's like that's uh, a yeah, that's a that's a unique. Uh, it's not. It's not situation. Most of the good brokers have branded themselves completely separate from their brokerage. Not not bigger than their brokerage. I don't know. Like, look at Barry Cohen. Know Barry Cohen? Yeah, yeah. Who knows who? A Remax guy. He's a Remax guy, but most you only know that because you're a Remax guy. The the layman yeah. doesn't have a clue because it's like all Barry Cohen everything, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with his brother Randy Cohen, and same thing with like half of the agents out there. You just you know them. They've built brand. David Batori. Have you heard of that guy? Just great yeah. branding guys, right? I think. So um, I don't know who David Batori is with. He's probably with Remax too. <laughs> so I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. So, and the brokerage level, and like it's, uh, you know, we're wrapping up the show here. At the brokerage level, what I feel, what I've always felt, Ooh. is um, the individual agent is the most important part of the the client's relationship. You know, and at the end of the day, 
if somebody's happy with exp or they're happy with remax and they're happy with royal page they're happy with century 21 or home life good for you stay with them enjoy their their services their training their brand the you know logo whatever it is that you use to to help your clients i think that's fantastic and i really don't push remax as much as maybe i i, I could or should i just push you know what i can do so thanks for having me today daryl thank you <laughs> thank you i i don't um, know i don't know how to respond to that yeah that's okay i just wanted to summarize it it was very politically cool. correct though yeah, it's okay. while we're throwing stones. I'm pretty neutral on this stuff. I'm not really that. You're very neutral. I'm very neutral. You're very yeah. neutral. It's very safe. Yeah, I'm very safe. When the market is going to go up in the long term, Ooh. eventually the market will go down. That's how that's that is the go-to answer for there's two camps. Oh yeah, market's going up. Immigration, supply and demand. Oh, we don't have enough houses. Population's going. <laughs> market market's always going to go up. And then there's the Ma'am, you know, have you seen what's going on out there right now? The stock market, bond market, I, the yields, Epic. they're just, they're peaking. They're peaking. Things are going to go down. Things are going to go down. It's gonna be uh, both guys up. are right. Both guys are right. As long as you just keep saying the same thing over and over, eventually someone will go to you and like, DK, you were right what you said. I can't believe it. You Even know what you're talking about. a broken clock is right twice a day. Babe, there's something different about my mango pineapple smoothie. Really? My caramel frappe tastes fine. Nah, something's definitely different. No difference? Other than I got them for half off because I ordered on the app. Well, that explains it. Explains what? How things seem to taste so much better when you're getting a sweet deal. Okay. <laughs> right now at Mickey D's, get 50% off any size McCafe beverage when you order through the McDonald's app. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Limited time only at participating McDonald's. Follow one time per day. Visit McDonald's app for details. Download and registration required.